the fact is with Solana that at this point it's like so tightly controlled by people that really deeply believe in it that it is kind of priced for failure. Uh, what I'm saying is like there's like zero there's zero fast money in this thing right now. Yeah, uh, and so any I think any hint of rejuvenation from Solana probably skyrockets this thing. Um, I think it would yeah, take one big game drops or one. Yeah, there's just, there's just no there's no fast money in it. Hello, hello, hello. You've got uh, Avi and Joni here. I want to welcome welcome you guys back to the now real inaugural first episode, second episode of Thousand X uh, podcast. We took a bit of a hiatus for a few months there for for a variety for a variety of reasons, but you know we we just wanted to make sure that we could bring you this content consistently and you know via a consistent platform that you guys you know, can come to and expect that we're going to be regular with our with our talks and appearances. So that took a few months to just figure out what that would look like. So we'll be coming to you for about 45 minutes to an hour every two weeks talking about our takes on the market. And I'm super excited about it. Uh, you know, I think most of the people that pull up this podcast, at least for the, you know, for, for the, for the first one, probably know us from, uh, you know, either, either Twitter or from our previous podcast or other, other podcast experiences. So I won't waste too much time on on introductions and you know your time is valuable so we can we can uh we can hop right in i'm excited too avi uh glad to be doing this i mean episode zero was was a good chance to to workshop how we're gonna how we're gonna do this podcast and since then it's been a pretty busy market i mean we were bullish um we we were right the price of crypto doubled pretty much over the course of our little hiatus but now it's off 10 12 percent in what looks like kind of a a scary retracement and a lot of people in the market are asking themselves, Hey, is this just a return to 27, 28 K that, that range that we had since the banking crisis, or is this the beginning of a fresh downtrend that's going to, you know, wipe out a lot of wealth? Um, I tend to think the former, um, I think that people often get pretty worked up about, you know, regulatory, uh, headwinds or this or that fire sale going on as a result of, you know, perceived liquidations, Mt. Gox, others, what have you. Um, I think most of that is frankly priced in. I think uh, people often ignore the the second derivative of the information, like, hey, is, is the regulatory climate going to get worse or, or less bad than from here? Uh, from here? Can it even get any worse than this? Um, I, you know, I tend to be more of an optimist. That's my bias. I think the, the regulatory um, climate will become less restrictive rather than more and i think the market is more than robust enough to absorb the upcoming spat of liquidations so short-term chop possibly a bit of amplitude not not much to to do in the near term but medium to long term uh, remain pretty bullish what do you think yeah uh it's it's tough and i'll give you the three things i'm thinking about right now the first is on the way up it was very hard for me um, maybe less less hard for you to identify the type of the type of buyer that was buying uh, post twenty eight k post twenty nine k like who are the who are the guys that are coming in and really really hammering it I think from twenty k to twenty five to twenty six a lot of the buyers based on the way that the market market was trading based on your average order sizes that you were that you were seeing go through based on the way that CME open interest was trading and versus uh, open interest on Binance and all these and all these other platforms you you could make the argument that no, it was high net worth individuals. It was large macro funds. It was potentially people out of Hong Kong. 
uh, and Dubai really coming into this coming into this market, and then also people that were betting on the digital gold narrative. You know, gold 2.0, gold is ripping as well. Gold went, you know, gold went up 10 percent, 15 percent from from the uh, bottom of the bottom of the banking crisis. And I think a lot of those buyers, um, what I'd say is that they dissipated around 28k. Uh, you, you just didn't see that type of activity in in the market, and what we were betting on at that point was uh, retail coming coming in and you know put, pushing it higher, maybe pushing it to to thirty three, thirty five. You get above thirty, and maybe retail mania comes back in. Uh, and so what actually ended up happening is I think a lot of people, including you know ourselves, were a bit positioned a little early for maybe a rotation from Bitcoin to altcoins. Uh, you know, expecting expecting that retail would come in and effectively what happened is that that didn't materialize. Um, so the question that I have, so the first part is, okay, well, who, who, are, the, who are the buyers on the way up? We kind of knew until 28K. You bet on retail coming in post 28K, pushing it, pushing it to 30. They managed to do a little bit, didn't, didn't manage to go further. It didn't extend to all coins or wasn't retail in there for all coins. So now we're coming back on the way down. And the Second part of this is, okay, well, we know who the first set of buyers were, and we know that retail didn't really appear. And in the second- How do you know that? Of, How do you know that retail, like, what do you, what do you look at? What should listeners look at to see like, hey, is retail starting to, to FOMO into this asset class? So I, I think the unfortunate, so for, for me, a lot of that is a little bit hindsight. It's saying, okay, well, if I look back on it, the biggest alt moves from the large caps were 15, 20%. Uh, there wasn't a ton of rotation out of Bitcoin into in, into into altcoins. Uh, there didn't seem to be a massive in, or a large increase in volumes on derivative products on, on Binance or OKX or Huobi. Uh, and so in hindsight, what I'm saying is that I didn't see retail come in in a large way. And so now we have a situation, Bitcoin's trading at 27.5 at this current, uh, at the, at this current, at this current level. And my question is, okay, if, if it's if retail is probably not going to buy the dip because they didn't buy the breakout and retail tends to buy breakouts more than they buy dips, then you have to bet that the first set of buyers are going to come back in the market and drive this up. So, you know, your, your high net worth individuals, your people betting on gold, but gold is now trading poorly and equities are trading okay. And actually there's been a decoupling uh, of, of Bitcoin, Bitcoin from equities in the wrong direction, whereas before there was a decoupling in the right direction. And so my view is that the type of buyer that propelled us up is likely no longer present. And Bitcoin has been trading very, it trades in a very trend heavy fashion, right? We trended all the way from 20K to 30K. We've seemingly broke the trend now. And so if I were to, you know, gun to my head, hey, where's Bitcoin going to be in a month? Probably 24K in my opinion, because of that. Now that's not a massive move for Bitcoin. I mean, okay, I'm I'm sitting here saying, hey, put a gun to my head. That's a 60% chance you get 24k, 40% chance you get 30. But what that means to me is that hey, I probably don't want to be in altcoins. Yeah, I probably I probably want to hold a reasonable a reasonable amount of cash, and I want to be cautious uh, with with my buying because I think that these guys that allocated originally the high net worth side is going to look for value levels. And I don't necessarily think the 
five or twenty seven k is that value level? Yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of just that yeah. post banking crisis range. It's not really something yes. where you say, "Wow, this is this is a real generational buying opportunity." Twenty four k, I think you'd attract some people. Certainly, the people who are saying, "Hey, maybe I'm a little bit too late. Should I buy when it was trading thirty k?" At this point, though, you know, I, ha- I have a bit of a tinfoil hat thesis about who the mystery crypto buyer was, Bitcoin buyer, really. My my sort of conspiracy theory here is that. Um, as part of the de-dollarization narrative, de-dollarization is a cool word, but just abstracting it away for a second, what's really going on? That you have governments like China that hold 10 trillion US dollars worth of US dollar denominated securities and cash and cash equivalents. And they're looking at what happened last year with the Ukraine war and what the US did to, you know, the treasury effectively did to Russia's US dollar denominated assets, which is, you know, drum roll, they took them, um, and thinking to themselves, hey, maybe we should let a little bit of this U.S. dollar-denominated exposure roll off and, and reinvest it into other things. You know, you can see that happening in gold. Gold markets, the, you know, Chinese central bank will publish, you know, on a delayed basis. You don't know if the data's spot on or not, but, um, you know, they, they publish their holdings and they, you know, those holdings are going up. They're not staying, you know, static. So I think that if central banks are accumulating non-dollar denominated bearer assets like gold and reducing their U.S. dollar denominated holdings, they're probably doing something similar with crypto, a bearer asset, an alternative investment. And that was sort of my, you know, my hunch, especially when Bitcoin would start to outperform during the Asia session, not during, you know, North American stock exchange hours uh, over the course of this sort of last leg up from 28 to 30K. Now, like you said, it's absent. And usually what happens when you have a big buyer in the market, an elephant in the room, and prices don't seem to reflect fundamental reality because the flows are what drive the prices, usually one of two things happens. What definitely doesn't happen is equilibrium. What can happen is that that elephant in the room is just bigger than everybody expects and the market takes off or the elephant, you know, just kind of gets sleepy and walks back out in the jungle and falls asleep. And then prices, uh, you know, kind of come back off. And I think the latter of those two is what, what just happened. Um, I don't know. Is that crazy? No, I don't think, I don't think it's crazy. I remember, I remember us talking about this offline, um, where we were looking at the, uh, at the balance sheets of, uh, we, we looked at China and India. And there's been a lot of there's been a lot of gold accumulation. I don't think it's insane to think that, uh, you know, I don't necessarily know if I'd go so far as to say that governments themselves are buying, but it's possible that government funded funded vehicles are buying, right? Yeah, uh, you know, m- maybe uh, through through a couple of, through a couple of layers, they, they they might be allocating. But what I think is absolutely true is that the banking crisis caused a lot of uh, people in Silicon Valley to buy. Uh, Bitcoin, it caused a lot of high net worth individuals uh, to buy. I think that um, it also reinvigorated the narrative for people for people overseas. And I also think that uh, not necessarily overlooked, because I think it was reported on enough, uh, but the opening of Hong Kong to crypto is very, is very important. Uh, you know, in June, they're going to be allowing uh, retail trading in, in, in Hong Kong. And this, this is an anecdotal, was probably led to reasonable amounts of buying from Hong Kong because as people see, hey, I can go access crypto again, I can go buy crypto again, and maybe you, um, I can actually go front run 
the smaller tickets, the retail once once this uh, once this opened up to them, uh, and then you look at you know what was happening what was happening in Russia with the foreign uh, uh, with the foreign reserves being being frozen. Uh, you know that that's that's always in the back of your mind, um, especially as things heat up between the between the U.S. and China. So I think there's just a little bit of confluence for why you might get allocation allocation to crypto, and it did it did have to come it did have to come from somewhere. Um, I do also think that CZ buying probably helped a bit. <laughs> that's uh, I don't know anything about that, but that's an interesting theory. I mean, at this point, like I, I agree with you that Hong Kong is super relevant. I think that it's a good reminder to all of us in you know just any market that you can't like unless the G20 nations get together and just ban this stuff. Um, it's it's a global market. Uh, one government, even one as powerful as as the United States government can't necessarily uh, control this market uh, effectively unilaterally. Um, you know, when China banned crypto, it was it was obviously negative for crypto a few years ago. But the U.S. really stepped up, and and you know, things took off from there. Mm-hmm. Now you see kind of a you know the pendulum swinging back the other way. So it is interesting that Hong Kong's deregulating right as the U.S. is, you know, sort of bolstering its regulatory efforts. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's in, in my opinion. I don't, I don't want to speak too strongly in case uh you know people people are listening too closely to us we get we get too big but i think it's a massive strategic mistake for the us to make right now uh, and i think everybody else is actually very excited about it i mean even the uk is excited about it and there's a lot of uh they they're actually one one thing that's going to be very interesting is that our our internal opinion is that there's probably some resolution either positive or negative to the ripple lawsuit in the next two to three months where there's some decision point that's going to occur that's going to give the market a lot of information about how the case is going to go and the what that means is that on that headline if it's positive you probably want to buy as much not just ripple but you probably want to buy as many altcoins as you possibly can especially the ones that have been deemed high risk securities DeFi probably does very well on that day if it's negative, uh, continue holding no altcoins because you, you right now you probably should be holding that many anyway. That is that is actually an interesting point you bring up. Um, crypto is one of those markets that's nascent enough where you still have a bit of time to react to news. Um, you know, in TradFi, if OPEC comes out with a decision to cut, like if you're trying to click click buy on the NYMEX, uh, you're just too late. Right. Meanwhile, you you seem to have a, an amazing track record of reacting to these things. And usually, what sort of time frames do you see them, you know, play out over? Like, for example, if there were a decision in that lawsuit, or if there were, you know, perhaps some sort of, perhaps some sort of uh, guidance that came out of Washington. Maybe it'd be too late to trade XRP. But how would you think about rolling risk into, you know, out the curve into alts? Yeah, I I think about it really is. It's it's just two two uh, two axes. It's just and it's time is time. By the way, is not really one of them. Uh, it's it's price it's price movement and relevance of news. Um, you know, and and pr- price movement is generally correlated with time, but not always. Uh, sometimes you get some some pretty some pretty slow reactions. I think that generally the more complicated the news, the more, uh, you know, like the 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 more complicated the news, the more edge there is. So, for example, with a Ripple lawsuit, if the lawsuit is a ripple has settled uh for a fine 
Uh, and that's and that's that's a headline that comes out that actually doesn't really tell you that much. You need to figure out well what ex- what exactly what exactly happened. Did they did they say did they not admit guilt and they just settled? Did they say hey it was a security at the time of issuance and now it's not a security? Did they say hey it's a security at the time of issuance? It's now a security. We're gonna pay this fine and then we're gonna shut down shut down exit right. So it's like you you kind of have to understand you know, like what is good for the market and what is, and, and, and what, and what is bad for the market. And obviously that comes out in the docket. It might not appear directly in the blue, in the Bloomberg headline. You might actually have to open the PDF and go and go and go read through it. Um, but I've noticed a lot in crypto and this has generally become better and better over time, just as any market would. Things take a while to be digested by the market. Uh, and it all, it also, you know, some, some things tend to tend to happen that uh, are are inefficient. So you know one one example of this is the Doge moves. Basically, every single Doge move that has happened because of an Elon Musk tweet has reverted in forty eight hours to seventy two. Like the hit rate on that trade is so insanely high that if you short, if you like sell Doge forty five minutes to an hour after an Elon tweet about Doge, like your your hit rate on that is like ninety percent, right? And so you still you. You can actually you can actually play it play it play it play it from both from both sides. I mean, I remember um, you know one uh, one one example of this was if I remember correctly, like a few months ago when the market was ripping, Sand had announced a partnership with Saudi Saudi Arabia to invest uh, you know in 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 in, a, in them or in one of the games. I'm forgetting the the, the exact details of the news here, but. Uh, it on the news it went up, you know, like six or seven percent. But it was on a day where Bitcoin and ETH were ripping, and so when we saw that, we were actually late to the news. It was up six seven percent, but on a day when the market is ripping that aggressively, and the theme of the moment and the animal spirits of the moment were all centered around Dubai. It was centered around Middle Eastern money. It's like okay, well, that's actually probably a good, still a good trade because we were within. You know, like five, six percent bidding distance of the benchmarks. Right. Yeah, it's not not it's spitting distance of the benchmarks. It's not that much. So you buy it ended up today twenty percent, right? And then you and then you 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 clip that. Um, so if that had happened in a market where Bitcoin was up or Bitcoin was down a percent, I'm probably not taking that trade. So you also have to contextualize it within. Okay, well, what's happening in the rest of the market? How many like how many people are there staring at this stuff? How how much money is there to to, to move around? I'd say that. Now, this this market is a market where you need to be very careful with those types of trades, just because of what we were talking about earlier. There doesn't seem to be a lot of trading interest. Yeah, I mean, uh, retail yeah. retail interest is kind of what you have to monitor. I mean, back in the day, there was the Coinbase premium. You you know, if Coinbase traded over a bunch of other exchanges, you knew that it was retail buying. Maybe one day we'll get the Hong Kong premium. But um, you know, maybe maybe listeners should just try and develop some metric for. Uh, retail-driven strength to to use as kind of a barometer for hey should I should I be trying to do these you know riskier should I dip my toes into riskier altcoin trades or should I just stick to Bitcoin and ETH stay disciplined stay patient and you know interestingly to your point Avi like I guess we had you know in retrospect the best opportunity of the year would have been one that I was a little bit too scared to capitalize on in any form of rash- reasonable size which was the uh, the dip buy during the banking crisis when on-chain activity was going crazy people were swapping you know stables into bitcoin and eth because bitcoin and eth seemed stabler than the stable coins and 
um, you know, there was clearly this sort of shift in the paradigm from, hey, this is a correlated macro asset to, hey, this is, you know, this, this crypto asset thing might actually be fulfilling its promise as a, you know, a banking system alternative. And on that note, you know, people who saw that coming would have had a real opportunity in the benchmarks that didn't play out too quickly to actually react to. And so I think we might have another one of these types of opportunities coming down the pike, possibly as the debt ceiling approaches. And I know crypto people aren't necessarily as focused on this as, you know, if if you're a treasuries trader or, or, you know, just a, you know, more of a a TradFi participant, but this one seems kind of real. Like it seems like we might. What are you seeing on that side, Jonah? Like what, what what are you seeing with the debt ceiling that worries you? Well, okay. So in 2011, the United States of America got downgraded from AAA, uh, not because of an inability to pay, but because of a potential unwillingness to pay. And that was a big deal. I mean, gold, that was the beginning of a 20 or 30% gold rally. I forget exactly how much, but it was a big one. Um, and a lot of markets tanked, a lot of risk markets, gold went up. Um, now I guess the government technically shut down in December of 2019. I want to say for mm-hmm. 25 or 30 days and they kept paying back on the, they kept paying back their debt. They were servicing their coupon payments. They were repaying principal of T-bills. Um, they just shut down government services and basically they subordinated employees of the government and their salaries to servicing their debt. They put the debt holders first. Now we've got a situation where the political, this was over the, the Donald Trump uh, wall thing. Now, I think the vitriol is just as high, if not higher than then. And unlike then, interest rates weren't, you know, aren't zero anymore. So you have mom and pop holding money market funds, trying to earn four or five percent. You have people holding T-bills, you know, billions and billions of dollars worth of short-term securities roll off every month. So if the government were actually to default, if there were if, if there were to be a standoff in Congress that results in no resolution whatsoever. And the government, Yellen is already using extraordinary measures, to quote her, to just pay back what the government owes right now. If that ends during what's called the the X date, um, sometime in the next month or two with no resolution, then you end up with an unprecedented event in financial history whereby the supposed risk-free rate is no longer risk-free. The, you know, the United States government will say, hey, we owe you, you know, hey, hey, Mr. You know, dentist, we owe you a hundred grand. Sorry, we don't have that for you right now. We got you though. Like wait a week or two until we figure this out in Congress. And then I think, what do you think gold could do or Bitcoin could do in a scenario like that? It doesn't, uh, it, it doesn't seem like that many, I mean, may, maybe I'm just not paying attention to the right place, but it doesn't seem like that many people are worried about this. What What is the uh, do, do, you, do you have the timelines mapped out in your head as yeah. to wh- when, when you think this would become a real issue? Um, the, basically, what's going on right now is a T-bill expiring in May yields three and change percent, 3.3, 3.4. A T-bill expiring in June yields four and a half to 4.8%. So you've got 150 basis points of differential in, you know, just yield for government securities with a one-month differential. So that tells you pretty much all you need to know about um, trepidation around the date where the United States might potentially default. It was supposed to be late June, early July. 
Now they've rolled that forward because supposedly tax receipts were underwhelming. But I can't even believe that they're discussing this. And, you know, it's in every major newspaper on the front page, but um, markets aren't necessarily getting roiled yet because I think we've been through a few of these that have resolved in an okay fashion. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think I think in that scenario, it'd be interesting to like get an exact look at the historical analog of uh, of what gold did during that time. But thirty percent both times it was yeah. real. That's big for gold. Okay, you, you okay? You confirm that? Okay, nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I'd bet that Bitcoin would do quite well in that scenario. Me too. Yeah, I, I and and if you look at that, if you look at the correlations between BTC and gold, and then BTC and uh, um. Uh, equities, it's, it's it basically flipped over the last or over the last month. I mean, now uh, is it a lot more correlated with gold than it is than than it, than, it, than it was with equities. So I think if that if that causes gold to rip, then then, then Bitcoin rips. I think um, it would probably catalyze a decent amount of, of of high net worth buying. Although I do think that the one the one thing that I do worry about with Bitcoin is just, and this has been talked about a decent amount, but I think it's important to talk about a little bit more is the supply side story is still quite large. You have the government sales of Bitcoin, and you have the Mt. Gox sales of of Bitcoin that are that, that are that are coming through. So my my take on that is that it would be a similar to what happened before the banking crisis, where I think what what ended up happening is it 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 just pushed up the low of Bitcoin. So I think a lot of new holders came in because they were worried about the banking crisis, and those holders some percentage of them are going to be converted to long-term holders of this asset and are going to stick in this asset for a while. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean this thing goes up in a straight line. So I, th- I would bet that something similar happens. Like you probably get a plus 15, plus 20% move from Bitcoin and then a retracement to higher than where it was before. Maybe maybe a 20 to 30% move, depending on how on how serious it is and how, and how, much, and how much gold moves. And then, you get, and then you get some sort of retracement, I think. The story of Bitcoin has always been it really rockets hard when retail gets involved. Um, and so my view is that for the next uh, you know month or two, potentially three to four months, we're probably just going to be trading sideways to to lower unless we get like a, a massive catalyst like this. So I view I guess what I'm tr- what I'm trying to say is I wouldn't view this as a long term catalyst to buoy the price of Bitcoin to 40K, I would view it as an opportunity to trade it the similar to what the banking crisis was with an additional benefit of it making Bitcoin better long-term because it just converts more holders. I think you have a really good perspective on that too. Um, I think you've made a career for yourself, uh, not just being long for you know the big upswings, but also being nimble and getting in and out as appropriate. Um, I tend to, I know that my bias is a little bit more to try and just focus on the long term uh, because that's a framework that you can cling to when things are going badly and you're staring at a bunch of red numbers. Um, you know, but it is important for, for everyone, listeners, us included, to just think a little bit more critically about how to lighten up ahead of, uh, ahead of potential problems and re-add when, you know, things look scary, but actually they're, they're you know, constructive. So I guess to that point, um, you know, our podcast is called a thousand X. There is some alt buying out there. Pepe just thousand X. What, what, what the heck happened there? That, that's a, that's a wild one. 
do you know I mean if if I if I knew if I knew what was that what was happening there I've been all in, all on Pepe did, did you did you did you buy any no I mean I, I just saw it and I was like this thing this, what <laughs> it's it was too late it was it, it was alive for like three days and then Pepe the the frog was worth 125 million dollars yeah, dude. Since, I mean, like, I feel, I feel like these things. I actually think. Um, so, if I, if I, if I were to make a bet, Jonah, I would bet. And this is not financial advice by any means. So, please, nobody take this as financial advice. But I would bet that Pepe becomes the Shiba of next cycle. Like, it just, it probably just does something so absurd that you hate yourself for not owning any. <laughs> it would, 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 would be my guess. Um, but I do think that like crypto just tends to do this from time to time. Where it'll find one asset, it'll just absolutely pile in that asset, and then people probably forget about it for like twelve months, and then suddenly, like mid bull cycle, when uh, when retail interest comes back, this thing just back. like pulls like another like fifty x would be my guess as to what it, as to what it does. Um, maybe it's down like ninety percent first, and then it goes up hundred x. But it's it's funny. Like I, there there is, I think. Uh, w- when we talk about retail, it's really about new money. Like, there's no new money in. Like, I would bet if we ran the numbers on the owners of Pepe, the vast majority of them would be people that were pretty deep into crypto already. Yeah. You know, whereas when you look at something like Shiba, a lot of people that were buying Shiba during the crazy bull run, that was like the first token that they bought. That was. That's like they'd only they'd like been on TikTok and they'd heard about Shiba and they watched a tutorial to get on Uniswap and then they bought some ETH and then they sent it over and then they bought Shiba and like the whole reason for buying ETH was to buy Shiba and there was like this non-trivial amount of new money in the door um, that got us that and I think Pepe is just a, an extension of people and crypto getting bored like I, I would I would bet and you know, maybe maybe we can run the numbers and I'll I'll, I'll tweet something out about this once uh once 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 we take a once we take a look at it. Um, and, and release the cast as to whether we I confirmed my theory or not. Um, but but my my bet would it, it's just a bunch of DeFi insiders uh, that are. So you think basically you think people are getting into these meme coins that like the gateway the gateway is Bitcoin and ETH. They're not like just lifting Pepe with fiat. They're they're just washing value around that was already in the ecosystem. That would be that would be my guess for now. With that being said, I just think the branding is so hilarious that it probably does pull like a crazy move in the bull run. I think so. I mean, again, not investment advice. None of this is investment advice, but I, you're not wrong. And it's crazy. Like what it highlights is that it, like actual wealth got created on that somehow. And I think what this highlights is that in crypto, you have this fantastic dichotomy between, you know, Bitcoin, geopolitically relevant, keeping central banks honest, like not even a dark horse for next global reserve currency type arguments flying around. ETH, world computer, like fantastic technology, scaling solutions of remarkable complexity. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have this, right? And, it, you know, you could say this is bad or less worthwhile or whatever, air quotes, but you could also say, hey, maybe, you know, there there is a, a casino element to certain pockets of crypto or, or an identity element or, you know, a community element that that actually has value that traditional finance just completely ignores like penny stocks don't take take into account so i don't know i think it's an interesting phenomenon to keep tabs on even if you're trying to pretend to be a 
a serious professional uh, or or are one. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, you, you know, you, you need you need to because I think I'll, also like that. Is, I mean, for 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 better or for worse, a big portion of the uh, like product experience of crypto is the ability to gamble and the ability to to, to bet to bet to bet on these things. So, I mean, if Pepe does if like a bunch of meme coins rip really hard, then that's actually good for ETH if they're built if they're built on ETH, right? bunch of yeah. coins on solana rip really hard that's that's good that, that, that's good that's good for solana um one thing that has been i think pretty striking over the last uh six months especially post ftx is that effectively every other l1 has just died in terms of activity and in terms of interest relative to eth and, and l2s built on top of eth it like really feels like there it, it, it's a you have to be a pretty massive contrarian at this point to bet on the app chain thesis, like uh, to bet on a thing like Polkadot or to bet on a thing like uh, like Cosmos. Um, and how would you? I would you I, elevator I, I, pitch the app chain thesis. Like, what is it for people who don't know? Yeah, the the way that it, it's it's really it's really about uh, native native interoperability and customizable blockchains, right? So, like, if you have if you have an L two on ETH. The L2 on ETH is effectively just another layer to build a bunch of applications, but a bunch of applications still have to share that block space. And there's generally a set format to the data that exists on that on that L2, right? So every every app has to interact with the same the same programming layer of that of that L2. Whereas an app chain, it's a little bit more customizable. So you're gonna just have one chain per app customize that chain. So for example, if you have a uh, trading platform like a GMX that exists on an app chain, then maybe what you want to do is you want to make sure that it, when you order transactions that go through on that chain, uh, you get preference for liquidation transactions so that you have a lesser chance of getting of getting bankrupt on that on that chain. Uh, and then if your uh, exchange without you know that 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 isn't like a GMX, you're like a Uniswap. Then you're built on a chain that doesn't have that built in because there's kind of no reason for that to be to, to, to be built in. So it introduces a little bit more customizability, and then you have um, you know inter native interoperability between the two. I think uh, like a main a main issue with app chains is one the UI UX that really sucks right now. It's just impossible to use the interoperability; it doesn't really exist on a, on a, on, a, on a great level. And also, it's a lot it, it's more complicated, obviously, to build out your own custom chains and the dev community just like hasn't really hasn't really gravitated there and obviously you get a lot more security without with l2s and uh with with ETH, with ETH right now but i mean i remember you know even two years ago people people were really uh really bullish on the on the on the app chain thesis and maybe you know my, maybe maybe my information's information's outdated here but at least at a high level it just seems like people, people aren't really interested in that anymore so that's um an area that maybe we have to maybe we have to spend some more i always like being contrarian and uh and, and yeah, I mean, it is it is definitely the contrarian moment to bet on alt L ones app chains, uh, basically scaling scaling solutions or scared scaled L ones that aren't really in vogue right now. And I think, I guess, what happened during this this most recent consolidation cycle slash bear market is that, I guess, the market just kind of asked, who cares? Like, does anyone? It, you, you guys have built all these really fast chains, but is there even demand for ETH right now? Um, and like, do we need all this block space? Uh, do, do we need to invest time and effort building applications on top of these alternative 
blockchains when, you know, ETH works just fine for the rudimentary things that we want to put on there. And, you know, maybe that was a valid thesis, but maybe the pendulum will swing the other way uh, in, in the next six months. Um, hard, hard to bet on, though. Very hard to bet on, especially given the decimation in alts. I guess, what would you look for as a leading indicator if you wanted to start buying near Polkadot, Solana, one, one of those? I think I'd look for just like right, real real activity starting up. Although Solana, Solana's kind of an interesting one because I think Solana's priced for... Um, I don't want to say it's like priced as a dead asset because it still is valuable, but the fact is with Solana that at this point it's like so tightly controlled by people that really deeply believe in it that it is kind of priced for failure uh, what I'm saying is like there's like zero there's zero fast money in this thing right now yeah uh, and so any I think any hint of rejuvenation from Solana probably skyrockets this thing um, I think it would yeah, take one big game drops or one yeah there's just, there's just no there's no fast money in it there's just like no fast money there are people like Chris Bernisky who sit around on uh, on, on on Twitter and, and you know say hey Solana is a actually pretty good pretty pretty great asset. If people like MultiCoin, um, I think the only the only thing that you'd have to really worry about with Solana is the forced selling from FTX. Um, if like that that that's actually kind of an inter an, an interesting NBC unlocks and and yeah, although Solana is mostly unlocked, so it's uh you know so it's like maybe like redemptions for MultiCoin, but. Um, you have, uh, yeah, like, but with FTX, it's probably going to take a year or so to actually start selling as far as we, under, as far as we understand it. Um, I'll go double check with my lawyers and follow that up with the correction if I'm wrong, but I'm, that, that's, that's the latest information that we have. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to take a while, uh, to actually, actually start selling, uh, selling these assets. So, uh, you know, I think for at least a short term, not, not particularly worried about that. Um, so yeah, I mean it's 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 it's, it's definitely interesting. I, I mean, near is like I have no idea what's going on with that thing, man. It's like hard to follow these it, it, these sort chains. Sort of, with... sort of died at like a terrible death, in my opinion. I don't understand. Like this was this was like the the greatest thing since sliced bread for a while, and then it just kind of faded into the backdrop fairly quickly. I you know I I go back and forth on alt l ones. On the one hand, I think hey you know, like like Abby says, time to be a contrarian. They've been beaten up to a degree that ETH just hasn't. And I do, you know, I am bullish for, I, I do think there will be another bull cycle. So put on a survivable amount of this stuff and just hold on, you know, and put your eggs in a few different baskets. The other side of me just wonders, like, <clears throat> have the existing offerings of L1s, like, have, have their reasons to exist been completely disproven? Have they... Have they fallen flat on their promises? Like Solana got taken out by a walking app. Like that was too much for Solana, this like performant, vertically integrated chain to handle. Um, Near, you know, is supposed to be this unbelievable user experience and then no one just showed up to the party at all. I Like I don't understand. So again, it's, it's kind of like $30,000 Bitcoin. Didn't understand that. That doesn't feel like a stable equilibrium. These things are either going to go up a lot or down a lot, but they're certainly not just going to kind of float around in a correlated way with ETH and trade one to one. Yeah, I I, I agree. I I think the 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 issue is that like all activity has just migrated away, and so these things are floating around with these pretty inflated valuations and are trying to I think work hard on the BD standpoint. I think what it what it takes for these things to really take off 
at this point is it seems like it, they've lost the organic war. What, what do I mean by that? It seems like they've lost the ability to organically attract developers and crypto to go build on their platforms and go organically attract retail. So it's like these guys are going to have to just like win big uh, accounts. So for example, like Amazon NFT platform, I don't know who they're built on, but whoever they're built on, unless it's their own custom chain, probably does very well, right? Uh, so it's, I think it's things like that. Like what if Snap, Snapchat decides to go launch a chain and they go partner partner with one of the one of the top L ones that isn't Ethereum? Well, that probably brings a lot of users to that chain. So what I'm saying is that these the the, the winners of the L one are probably not going to be uh, from massive organic growth at this point. As far as I see it, it's probably going to be from a top a top down heavy approach, just because the the organic biz dev growth is yeah, it's just going to be biz dev because the organic growth is just totally all on ETH and and, and L twos. And biz dev is harder when there is a massive regulatory headwind that kind of targets your gateways, your on ramps, and off ramps between fiat and crypto. Definitely makes it scarier for Web two companies to to dabble. So how's your how's your day? Yeah, it's uh, it's been nice. Um, tra- traded some crypto. Uh, yeah, that's good. Here, let me ask yeah, you a question. I, I actually didn't. I, I didn't look at the markets a lot today. I, I mean, I always look at the markets like two to three hours a day. Um, you know, that was that was today. But um, I, I actually did manage to take some time off this weekend and a little bit this evening. It's Avi's birthday. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, an, I'm an old man. I'm an old man now. Have a few more of those, and you'll catch up with me. Um, it's pretty exciting. Well, I hope I hope I never catch up with you, Jonah. No, I'm joking. Um, so, yeah, basically, I think it's good to take a little break from market sometimes. Like crypto is just too much. Like at least oil would give me my weekends. This is nonstop, so you kind of have to self-impose a little bit of uh, a little bit of a break. Otherwise, you know, lose your mind. I I, I agree. I think crypto is also one of those things that just totally trashes your dopamine right because you're elaborating well you're just constantly getting dopamine from something you're either you're either you're either getting dopamine from prices doing what you want them to do or you're feeling pain from them not doing what you want them to do and then you're also constantly getting pinged or you're constantly on twitter or you're constantly talking to somebody about it it's just like this overwhelming presence in your life but I think it, it can make it hard to step back out and look at the big picture unless you force yourself to go take those breaks. Yeah, you know, totally even, agree. Even, even, even 24 hours is enough in my experience. You know, just like sit there with your own thoughts for 10, 15 minutes. Take a walk. And that, go outside. That's cool you, you know how many people I know that just don't do that? That just don't give themselves any silence at all? Like at any point during the day, they're listening to, to music or they're looking at trading view or they're on telegram or they're on twitter it's like you know anyway i agree i mean like this, I, this, I is, feel... this is not a self-help podcast so <laughs> maybe it should be i mean the thing about it is like in traditional finance um you know 15 16 years ago like cell phones were not a constant interruption there was no slack bloomberg messaging was pretty much the most real-time form of markets communication Markets had hours, like things were, things were kind of old fashioned in a way. And now they, um, there is this nonstop barrage of information, dopamine or lack thereof. And I don't know, I guess, I guess in the times where it's tempting to click around and do stuff, 
buy some meme coin because you're bored. Um, ultimately, uh, if, if I find myself getting too caught up in that little vortex of um, Discord, I, I feel like it's it's time to step back and just cling to a medium or long-term thesis and try to do less. You know? At least that's how I end up avoiding problems. Yeah. I think that's I, I I think that's actually a very very fair fair approach, the market. I also know you've been uh, you, you every every now and then you you do keep Shabbat. Yep, <laughs> that's right. Every, heard, heard you do the same. Every now and then, every now. Birdie told me. Um, man. So what else? Uh, what else is going on in the in 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 the markets today? I think you've got a little bit of like like if you're in crypto, you're long-term thesis has to be that there's some kind of financial relevance to this asset that's going to exceed just gambling, right? And I think that when you see things like the 10.2% or 10.1% inflation print in the UK, you see what's going on in Argentina or Lebanon, um, you know, it's, those are, those are little tidbits from macro reminding you why you're, why you're bought into this. Um, if you yeah, are, it, or why you might kind of consider buying in, I think there are two things that have really, and you know, um, the the, the second one's a little a little bit more a little bit more new. Uh, but the first part is yeah, on the on the monetary side, there's been just a tremendous amount of strife over the last year or two in in, in the macro worlds and in, pla- in places that you mentioned, and that really brings to light why Bitcoin is so valuable. Uh, I think on the second point. There's the, the rise of AI and all these deep fakes, these like crazy, I don't know if you saw the, the song that was like produced by AI that was uh, that was a Drake, a Drake copy, it sounded, sounded exactly like him. They're going to be so, there's going to be so much insane, uh, you know, content out there that you're just not going to know if it's real or not. And that verification, that like true verification of, uh, you know, are you a real human or not? Is this a content that is produced by a real human? Is that is is Ron DeSantis actually saying that, or did he was it was he faked? It was true anyway. I'm not getting politics, but um, you get you you get you get what I'm saying, right? It's that I actually think can be solved for in some ways in some ways by by, by crypto, right? Um, just you know, any any time you want, hey, prove prove that you produce this video do it the same way that you prove that you own an address with a, you know, with a, with a digital signature. That's a fantastic point. There is an immutability. I mean, obviously I'm sure we'll, we'll find a day when auto GPT starts launching random blockchains thousands per hour. But I mean, in terms of the chains that, that have relevance today, they are immutable. You can prove that something happened with, with a timestamp and a settlement. That's a great point, Avi. So I think th- those, those are the like over, overarching themes to, you know, maybe, uh, maybe wrap up with is uh th- those are the two most interesting things that i'm seeing right now in the in, in in the crypto world and um to recap on uh to recap on markets just uh just just things have i mean things haven't really changed in the last 45 minutes since we since we recorded but i do uh you know if you, you put it you put a gun to my head i think bitcoin's uh, i think bitcoin's 24k in the next month gun to your head jonah 24 or 30 24 okay we're on the same page not investment advice, of course. None of this is crypto's risky, but what a you know, what a sobering thought from a long-term crypto bull. Um, you know, just another reminder to sort of stay safe out there and be disciplined, not go crazy with risk. Tell our listeners, uh, stay safe, 
and uh have a, have a good uh, have a good day evening night enjoy yourself wherever you are out there thanks for listening Bye.